Hello, everyone. I'm Tim Bladick with EOC's Office of Federal Operations, OFO, and I welcome you to a micro-learning moment from EEOC and the Federal Community's EEO Education Consortium. Today, we continue our fourth in a series of podcasts on OFO's Reports and Evaluation Division, or RED, the Social Science Research Arm for our Federal Sector Programs Division in OFO. As part of its mission, RED produces social science-related research of EEO-based topics within the federal sector, which is again where we turn our focus to today. With me again today is Dr. Ramela Janine El-Karzazi, a social science research analyst with RED. Dr. El-Karzazi has a PhD in industrial organizational psychology, a bachelor's in economics, and is a SHRM certified senior human resources professional. Along with other research we have previously highlighted in our podcast with Dr. El-Karzazi on younger workers, she has also conducted some recent research on the participation and experiences of women who work in science, technology, engineering, and mathematics, or STEM, within the federal government. Welcome back, Dr. El-Karzazi. Thank you, Tim. It's nice to be back. In our recent podcast focusing on red research on younger and older workers, you briefly mentioned the need to recruit young women into STEM positions in the federal government. So was it that research on younger workers that generated your interest in this topic, or did something else drive your interest in doing research on women in STEM? Why did you decide on this research, and what kind of things were you looking to find out? First, although there has been a great deal of focus on women in STEM in the private sector, little has been comparatively uh, reported on women working in the federal sector, in particular with regards to who they are and their unique experiences. Second, I completed a study on the federal IT workforce in the prior physical year, and I wanted to dig in a little deeper on understanding um, you know, what it's like being a woman in the federal tech space. So from there, it grew into a curiosity all about STEM occupations and not just tech. With those particular goals in mind, um, I focused on the following metrics, demographic composition by race, age, national origin, sex, and disability. Representation in leadership, employee viewpoints, turnover intention, and the general nature of complaints filed with the EEOC. In formulating my findings, I generally compared the women in STEM to their male colleagues. Um, and so that was kind of, you know, what I was going for. Okay. So now that we understand some of the background, what kind of general information did you find out about women in STEM in the federal government? And did any of it surprise you? Unfortunately, I have to be honest, Tim, most of it didn't. I mean, unsurprisingly, math had the fewest number of women. There were roughly, well, a little over 6,000 women. And while science had the most, you know, nearly 50,000, there were significantly fewer women in technology and engineering than expected based upon their overall, you know, participation in STEM occupations. You know, another example is uh, the largest number of STEM entry-level women were working in science. Again, that was, you know, in comparison to math or technology or engineering, I guess, was not a surprise. And this was true also for experienced women, which, you know, was defined as grades 8 through 12. For more senior professionals, which is, you know, grades 13 through 15, the largest number of women in STEM were in science occupations. 
contrasting that with the male senior professionals who were evenly split between science and engineering. So women were definitely kind of loaded up in science occupations. And, you know, science is exactly what you think. Um, so you've got, you know, your chemist, your biologist, and actually your social scientist as well. Beyond that finding, you know, there was a little bit over 16,000 women in leadership roles. And again, in comparison to nearly 50,000 of men. Um, so that was only roughly like, you know, 25, 26% of STEM leaders being female. So all of those things, you know, were unfortunately not surprising. And I guess even further going a little bit deeper, women were 40% less likely to work in engineering, but they were more likely to be in math, um, comparatively speaking, but 92% more likely to work in science than in technology jobs after taking pay into account. So I did, you know, kind of look at pay and unsurprisingly again, because we're very focused on finding the, the differences. Sometimes the differences um, aren't where you think they would be. So if people were at the same grade, you know, there weren't really major differences in pay, um, but it was more about kind of where people were falling to begin with in terms of, you know, being in science versus technology. All of those things were kind of unsurprising, but I did find it to be surprising that the overall age of women in STEM occupations, you know, was about 45 and a half. And compared to the average age of men, which was about 47 years, um, you know, they were pretty close in age. So, it's not like there's, um, you know, kind of a huge age difference, which maybe could manifest different sort of power dynamics. I mean, everyone's kind of close in age, which was a little surprising for me. Okay. So maybe even in the context of, of that uh, power relationship, what did you find with regard to EEO related matters? What kinds of things did you learn and did they exhibit any kind of relationship to those things you just shared? Well, again, unfortunately, there were several items. So, for example, and I, I think I failed to say this, so excuse me, this data was essentially for FY 2019, and there were about 34,000 women who were counseled. In FY 2019, there were approximately 34,000 women who were counseled and approximately another 14,000 female federal employees who decided to file formal complaints which is important to understanding the experience of women in STEM work environments. You know, that's quite a bit of complaints. The largest number of those complaints were sex-related and were for perceived violations of Title VII of the Civil Rights Act of 1964. The other two clearly female-related bases were the uh, Equal Pay Act, or EPA, and the Pregnancy Discrimination Act, or the PDA, uh, not to be uh, confused with public displays of affection, <laughs> um, you know, which, you know, surprisingly had, I guess, relatively few complaints um, filed by women. So it really was about the sexual harassment. And while sexual harassment is typically foremost type of discrimination raised when discussing EEO issues and women, the challenges women face that was actually a little bit more than what would have been thought or expected was generalized harassment. 
Um, and it was a much larger issue in FY 2019 with nearly 2,000 complaints filed compared to roughly 350 for sexual harassment. So by far and away, you know, the issue of generalized harassment was actually more pronounced than sexual harassment. There was a strong relationship, I think, between women's intentions to leave and their current agency and complaint activity. So the more sex-related complaint activity an agency had, the more likely women were to state an intention to leave that given agency. So that was a very sort of interesting finding, although, again, not altogether surprising. Furthermore, I think women's belief that their supervisor was committed to a diverse workforce was significantly and negatively related to the number of individuals counseled and the number of formal complaints. So women are looking around and saying, my leadership really isn't committed. That could drive up your folks who are entering in the EEO process, again, unsurprisingly. Having said all of that, you know, it wasn't all bad news as there was no apparent impact on the level of representation of women in STEM occupations at a given agency versus the number of women counseled or the number of complaints. So simply put, that means an agency employing more men in STEM occupations does not automatically create hostile work environments for women in STEM. But clearly there are areas where agencies need to improve and things agencies need to work on, such as getting more women in non-science STEM fields, um, most notably engineering. All right. So after looking at all this together, all this information which you just shared, I imagine you probably would have quite a few recommendations. But what recommendations do you believe are most important to share with agencies concerning women in STEM occupations? Again, agencies should recruit more women in engineering jobs, but also in tech roles. Furthermore, agencies should develop recruitment plans to target hiring toward more younger women in federal STEM occupations. Again, you know, that average age was mid-40s. So it's, it's time to, to start trying to identify the next generation of leaders and see if we can bring them in younger and, and allow them to have a full career in the federal space. And while we're talking about targeted recruitment, uh, agencies should develop targeted recruitment plans for women from underrepresented and underserved racial and ethnic backgrounds. And also agencies need to do more to ensure that all same occupation groups are meeting, you know, that 12% target for hiring women with uh, disabilities. And for those who are not aware, we do have targets for employing persons with disabilities government-wide. And we do that because we feel everyone has the deserves the equal chance to pursue their their dreams and their passions and their goals, regardless of their level of enablement. Beyond recruitment opportunities I've identified, I think agencies should create leadership development programs to help prepare women for leadership roles in STEM occupations. Another thing agencies can do organizationally, looking at it from the organizational perspective, is conduct cultural assessments in their STEM occupational groups to determine how to reduce the amount of sex-related complaint activity and to proactively work to improve women's viewpoints of their work environment. Going further, agencies should collect 
and analyze interview data for women in STEM to determine if there were issues related to discrimination or harassment that led to their departure. Really, agencies should ask all department employees, you know, why are you leaving us? You know, why are you looking to leave? I mean, retirement is obvious, but, um, you know, if someone's leaving and it's clearly not retirement, um, there should be some analysis that takes place, you know, at least on an annual basis to see, you know, what's going on with the turnover. And when agencies do that analysis, they need to be prepared to, you know, try to resolve whatever it is that they uncovered. And then I would say, finally, agencies from the human capital folks to STEM executives to, you know, heads of agencies, they must really demonstrate a commitment to a diverse and inclusive workforce. Wow. Well, thank you, Dr. Elkazazi, for sharing your research findings with us today. It's very much appreciated. Thanks again for having me. And, um, you know, I I appreciate um, having the opportunity to chat with you, and I look forward to our next chat. You are most welcome. Come back anytime. With that, I want to thank everyone for joining us for this micro-learning moment. As always, if you would like to know more about the Federal Sector EEO Education Consortium, send an email expressing interest to edcon at eeoc.gov. We look forward to you joining us for our micro-learning moments and our podcast series on Research by Red over the next several months. Good day, everyone.